Daily Charge by Mr. Evans Gibson from the United States of America. Titled, Where Do You Place Your Big Butt? They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lives in the Negevs. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't take, attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had exploited. They said, The land we exploited devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there the descendants of Anak, who come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshopper in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 to 33. Where you place your butts matters. But is an eraser. It erases all that went before it, a misplaced but can eradicate itself from belief that propels you forward. This example in the 12 spies account is a great example of this principle. Let's go there first. 12 men representing the tribes of Israel were sent by God's direction and Moses' instruction into Canaan to scout out the land to aid in strategy and planning. It was a recognizance mission for information gathering. As we discussed previously, God never charged them with the decision regarding whether they were able to take the land. He would already told them he would give it to them. Notice how the ten Versus the two, Joshua and Caleb, describe what they saw. Mind you, they went together, but they focused on different things. In particular, I want you to pay attention to the spoken or implied but. The ten spies first acknowledged that the things they would be told about the riches of the land were indeed true. In fact, they had brought back a sample of grapes that were so large, it took two men to bring them back 
on a pole between them. Then they uttered the fateful word, but at that point, they started describing all the negatives about the big. Strong people occupying the land, the big fortified city, and the perception that all of it together was overwhelming. All of that part about the wonderful land faded after the bot in favor of the fact presented after that big word. Caleb spoke up in opposition to the others. His bot is not recorded, but it is implied as he argued with his colleagues. After their fear-filled statement, he made a sharp pivot to the truth of what God had said. We should go up and take the land, for we can surely do it. But the ten were not done issuing their bad reports to the rest of the people, and they countered with more talks about the giants and how they felt like grasshoppers when compared to them. They went on to mind-read the giants and draw conclusions that they were thinking the same thing. So, what does all this have to do with you and me? Plenty. This Old Testament story has laid out two thoughts, habits that makes all the difference between optimism and pessimism, between hope and depression, between success and failure. People with a God-positive point of view are aware of the facts. They are not delusional, but they know what God has said that supersedes what the eyes can see. That's called faith. They know they are sick, but God is the healer. They understand about the losses they've incurred, but God is the provider. Their relationship is struggling, but God is the restorer of the bridge. The alternate approach takes people down. I used to trust in God, but I prayed for something and it didn't happen. I love my wife, but lately she just doesn't understand me and I'm not in love with her. It sounds like a great opportunity, but I could never do something like that. Are you seeing the principle? Never sabotage God's best for you by erasing it with a but followed by negativity. Place God's truth and the positive evidence of your God-given strength and ability after the but. This positions hope in the sentence, in such a way that the hope is what you hear and carry with you. If God said it, there are no ifs, ands, and buts about it. A reminder, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the things 
for which I sent it. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. Lord, I want to say yes to all your yeses. Your word said that your promises are yes and amen. Holy Spirit, help me if I start to argue with God and his callings, his power and his great faithfulness. Hope you enjoy. Stay blessed and have a great day.